Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. I'm your host, Allison Weisbrot, editor of Campaign US, and my guest this week is Farah Howard, chief marketing officer at GoDaddy. You may remember GoDaddy as an OG website hosting platform, but it's expanded into much more since its 1997 launch, offering support for entrepreneurs trying to sell any product across any channel. Howard, who has a broad marketing background across CPG, fashion, and tech, goes deep on how GoDaddy is expressing its value prop to the world and shares her experienced POV on in-housing versus outsourcing creative. Hi, Farah. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So GoDaddy is one of the OG internet brands, um, launched in 1997. Internet has changed a lot since then. So how has the GoDaddy brand and company evolved along with it? GoDaddy has changed significantly since 1997, to say the least. Now, mind you, I've only been at GoDaddy for two and a half years, and I've seen significant change in that period of time as well. But if we look all the way back, we started as a domain provider, really helping entrepreneurs as they were thinking about putting their ideas in the world with how do they plant that flag with their their name, which is often the first thing that people think about when they're thinking about building a, a business or a digital business, if you will. If I look at where we are today, we're so much more, we're truly able to support entrepreneurs in every aspect of what their digital needs are, whether that's standing up a website, selling your products online, selling your products in physical environments, merchandising your products from a marketing standpoint on Instagram, we're able to truly be your employee number two, if you will, from a digital standpoint. And so to your point, you know, come a long way since being the, the OG brand in, in 1997 that helped you get your domain. Um, but of course, we still do that too. So you were talking about um, like merchandising on Instagram and, and you know helping entrepreneurs. Talk a little bit about some of the products you offer and sure. now is GoDaddy, yeah. Sure. So we provide customers everything from websites, whether that be a website builder, which means ultimately a simplified tool to help people build their websites really quickly and often under 30 minutes, to WordPress for those who want to build with much more flexibility to tools like GoDaddy Studio, which enables you to build content via a beautiful and simple app that helps you make content that is relevant and compelling for social media, to tools like Cellbrite from GoDaddy that enable you to take a product and sell it on multiple marketplaces. So for example, take one product, sell it on Etsy, sell it on Amazon, for example, just to name a few. And the list goes on and on. We've been building our commerce capabilities over the past several years because we know that's incredibly important to entrepreneurs, particularly in light of what's been happening in the world with the pandemic. And so we're also a key contender in the commerce arena for our customers also. So again, if you think about an entrepreneur starting their journey, the traditional journey was I go buy a domain, then I go get my website, I get branded email so I look more professional, which of course we offer as well, and I make sure my site's secure and I'm good to go. So much has changed since then. 
know, often a customer will go straight to market via social media. And again, we can enable that through marketing tools and products like GoDaddy Studio. Or they're trying to test the water by taking a physical product and selling it everywhere. And we can support that as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, commerce right now is like, to your point, obviously a huge growth area for um, entrepreneurs, marketers, brands, online commerce. I, I would imagine the tool that allows them to publish or sell different products on different marketplaces is very popular now that, you know, social commerce and there's all these different purchase points online. It is. It is. And now even more so with you know, being able to sell online is critically important, but for entrepreneurs, where often this is their livelihood, being able to get paid um, dynamically and quickly is an imperative for them as well. We just launched GoDaddy Payments um, this year, which is a big progress for our customers. So again, they can get truly everything in one place. Yeah. So as you build out this holistic sort of solution for for entrepreneurs, like what? Who's your competitive set now? It's a really good question because our competitive set is really broad, right? I mean, you can look at players like Wix or Squarespace that have been contenders in the website arena. Mm-hmm. You can look at players like Shopify that have really started from a commerce angle or players like Google that are you know, the platform itself. And so what's really interesting about what entrepreneurs have to deal with today is it's a really complicated landscape. And so, like I said, many, many competitors exist um, at the product level. What's most compelling, I believe, for entrepreneurs from GoDaddy is we make it easy for the entrepreneur to not have to go find 10 different digital partners to do 10 different things. We can do all those things for them. And that's what is setting us apart and will continue to set us apart in the future. Mm, interesting. So last time you and I spoke, you had just um, launched your Open We Stand campaign in the fall. Right. Talk to me about how that's evolved as the pandemic has taken many twists and turns. My goodness, right? Um, the the longest, you know, 18 months of all of our lives. So just to go back, we launched Open We Stand actually last spring. We launched it at the end of March 2020. Mm. And what was so compelling about Open We Stand was really the insight, right? Because if we reflect back on how we were all feeling in March, we felt closed and concerned as the world was really ultimately shutting down around us. And that insight around wanting to be open, whether that meant wanting the doors of your business to be open, the doors of your home to be open, um, being emotionally open, that insight really was relevant to a very broad audience, um, entrepreneurs and just individual consumers alike. And so as we started to talk about Open We Stand, we realized there was a ton of power there, but we knew that we couldn't just put a campaign out in the world based on what was happening. We had to put more products and services um, that would enable entrepreneurs to do things differently, faster, and often with a lot of support and resources because they were they were concerned, frightened, um, struggling financially. So, what's changed since then? You know, Open We Stand ran for the sizable majority of 2020, and the campaign itself connected to openwestand.org, which was a website with resources and tools for entrepreneurs 
that was supported by over 70 companies around the world. And openlystand.org, what, what we learned from that was entrepreneurs need the products that we sell, but they also need help. Um, they need resources, they need education, they need digital forums where they can come together. And that's what we've been continuing for certain. So we've launched more and more webinars. We ran a big digital event last year, actually two across our entrepreneur channel and for pros. So designers and developers will run another digital event that will be large in scale this September. And we're offering more and more products free to start so that entrepreneurs can get started out of the gate without any financial investment. Then as they see success, they can start to make the investment. So all of those things carry forward. Our campaign has changed tone a little bit because the world is becoming more optimistic and knock on wood, we, we stay on that trajectory. Uh, but what we haven't lost sight of is the importance of resources and tools. And that'll be part of our ongoing marketing and communications for our customers. Yeah, for sure. So you talked a lot about um, a couple of events that you had. How are you thinking about that strategy as, you know, it seemed like we were getting back to normal. Now things are not looking so great. Again, the uncertainty is here, right? So how do you navigate that right now when you think about maybe events you had been planning to do or different like in-person or different toned executions you had in the works? Yeah, we are so lucky at GoDaddy um, and in our industry that we're ultimately you know, digital through and through. And what I mean by that is in the digital events we ran last year, we had an opportunity to talk to thousands of customers and engage with them post the event as well. And what we've heard over and over is digital events are here to stay. Um, customers love the flexibility of a digital event. They don't have to jump on a plane in two to four hours. They can get all the content that they need because content is recorded. They can ingest it at their own time if being there live isn't something that's feasible for them. So we will continue to do digital events. And in fact, this year, we didn't contemplate a physical event more so because our customers told us hands down that they wanted more digital events because it made their life easier. It was really busy entrepreneurs. Now, there are communities within GoDaddy's customers that really appreciate physical events. The WordPress community and WordCamp, those are physical events that are wildly anticipated. And I can tell you the designers and developers that spend a lot of time at WordCamp learning more and more about WordPress, they can't wait to be back in person. So, you know, we're constantly keeping our ear to the ground with that community to assess all right, when are we ready to be back physically and, and hopefully sooner rather than later on that front? Yeah. What do you find in terms of like engagement on virtual events? Because it seems like your community, which makes sense to me, they're busy entrepreneurs, they're running their business. Maybe they don't have time to like take off work for the day and go to a conference. But I know like for at least like, you know, looking at our own industry, advertising and marketing, there seems to be a, a, a lack of engagement that you get at in-person events. So what do you find is maybe the downsides of it? If the downside, I think, is what we're all dealing with every day, which is a lot of screen time. Mm. And with screen time comes fatigue because we are, you know, we are human three-dimensional creatures that enjoy being together in person, right? The world is not the same in 2D. 
Now, that said, there's a lot of upside to digital events. One, you can make content far more bite-sized. So you can do shorter form content, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and that really packs a punch and can help deliver to customers' attention spans. So what we found is having smaller blocks of time and concurrent content, um, meaning folks can opt in to lots of different tracks that are running at the same time, but they're all recorded so they can be ingested later. And that recorded content in my past, we would try to capture that at physical events, but it never really felt the same. You always felt like you were never in the room, right? Mm -hmm. So like tapping into a conference room, you know, conference room B with speaker Bill Smith, the probability of someone going back and consuming that content was much lower than if everything was digital, digitally native. And so short form content, the reuse of the content, and then the fact that you can fit it into your life so much easier. Um, those upsides are part of why, or part of what we heard directly from customers were things that they wanted us to keep doing. And so I do anticipate in the future, we'll see a mix, right? People want to get together in person. There's energy that happens when you gather a big group of people together to learn, but the digital bite-sized content is here to stay. Mm, interesting. Um, so circling back to, you know, open, we stand and, and supporting small businesses, there's been another, uh, very large company with, which has been banging the drum about being the champion of small businesses. It's called Facebook. Um, how do you sort of like compete with that narrative that, that they're throwing out there about small business? Yeah. Um, Facebook, you know, we could toss Amazon in that mix as well. Um, even Google, you know, are all very big players that, you know, speak about the role that they play in, with and for small businesses. And those channels, um, particularly Facebook and Amazon, they're, they're closed channels, but they're really important to entrepreneurs. So I appreciate that Facebook and Amazon um, and, again, these big players in the world are recognizing the importance of small business and, being proponents of them. Um, what our job is at GoDaddy is to help entrepreneurs figure out how to seamlessly and easily engage on those closed platforms as well as the open internet. And so I'm thrilled to, to hear Facebook speak more about small business. I worked at Amazon before I was at GoDaddy and Amazon genuinely cares about small business because the sizable majority of their sales are sold by small business owners. So I think for, you know, folks like myself in industries like GoDaddy, that gives us an opportunity, like I said, to help, to help entrepreneurs find a way to be successful on those platforms. And a lot of the tools we have like GoDaddy studio, right, which enables customers to go design beautiful content for social media, you know, is directly designed to help our entrepreneurs be successful in places like Facebook and Instagram. So I see them as, as partners in the pursuit of helping small businesses thrive. Got it. Rising tides. Um, so let's um, shift gears a little bit and talk about marketing and, and your role as chief marketing officer. What's your biggest focus right now? I mean, there's so many moving parts that a marketer has to be on top of. Uh, what's sort of like your North star for me, my consistent North Star has been 
making certain that my team and I really understand the mentality of the customer. And it's just changed so much, right? The very first question you asked was like, let's harken back to 1997. I mean, even if we just harken back to 2019, so much has changed. So our North Star is constantly, who is our customer today? Who is our customer tomorrow? How are they changing and how can we meet them where they are? And so that means my team and I spend a lot of time thinking about our existing customer communications. We've got over 20 million customers around the world. How do we help continue to support them in their entrepreneurial pursuits? So I spend a huge amount of time there. Additionally, I spend a huge amount of time making sure that we show up broadly to the world as a global company, as a brand that A, understands entrepreneurs and B, can support them. So I also really appreciate the product questions that you brought forward today. So I spend a lot of time thinking about, does our future customer know what we can do for and with them from a product standpoint? Mm. Yeah. And so you have um, kind of an interesting background, like you have a mix of tech and you have a mix of CPG in there. So how does that sort of inform your strategy? Yeah, for me, when I, when I think back on my career, and I know we both had the opportunity to go to Michigan. Um, so yes, go blue. <laughs> go blue for sure. In fact, if you could see my Yeti coffee mug right now, it's got a big blue M on it. Um, <laughs> for my family, they know that any Michigan gear always lands well with me. Oh, yeah. Um, but straight after Michigan, I went to Gatorade um, and stayed in the Midwest and had an opportunity to work on a brand that I love. And what I garnered through that experience is exactly what I just referenced, which is you have to know your customer. And at Gatorade, I, I was one of their, you know, one of their probably billions of customers. But I spent a ton of time out in the field and in the Gatorade labs watching athletes ingest the product and understand what they liked, what they didn't like, why they used it, when they used it. And that CPG background is something that I always call from because it's easy in technology to ingest a ton of digital context and feel like you know your customers. And you do. You can listen into calls. I've been so lucky at Dell and at GoDaddy, you know, being able to tap into our GoDaddy guides and hear how our customers feel is fantastic. But it is not the same as actually knowing, adopting seeing customers um, in in the world with your product. So that's the biggest gift that I got from CPG that, again, helps helps me every day as a marketer, regardless of what industry I'm in. Awesome. Yeah, I think it's 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 helpful to have sort of a, a mix of backgrounds, right? Um, get a taste of what other kinds of brands are doing. But so how do you organize your marketing team at GoDaddy and where do agencies play a role in there, if yeah. at all? At GoDaddy, we have a big in-house creative team. So we have an internal team that does a sizable amount of our creative, everything from, you know, our advertising campaigns that you see on television and YouTube. They create our, you know, our podcast and radio advertising and then amazing content like Made in America and Icons of Atlanta. So much of what we do, we do internally. Um, and I can talk more about internal as compared to external agencies because I've certainly had experience with both. But what I found at GoDaddy is 
having an internal team that really knows your brand and really knows your customers enables them to make really great work. We do periodically work with agencies. We'll bring teams in to either help push us conceptually in places and or help us round out our team, often in the production arena as we're finalizing work. Um, and we have some great partners that we consistently work with, you know, from, you know, music houses that help us, you know, make tracks that make our commercials really memorable to, you know, production teams that, um, again, can help us make our work even more beautiful. But the majority of our team is internal. I can talk more about the the rest of the structure of my team, but that in-house creative team is is one of the functions that I'm accountable for as the CMO, but the, there are, of course, others. Let's talk about your decision, your in-house decision. Um, why is that something GoDaddy does? And then as a, as a marketer who's done both, what are the pros and cons? Yeah. So I will take no credit for GoDaddy having an in-house creative team. They had it before I joined two and a half years ago. <clears throat> but that said, I was thrilled that they did because in the prior 10 years, I had spent the majority of my time working on in-house ag- agencies and or building them. So give me a minute and I'll give you just a quick history of yeah. versus external. And then I'll talk about pros and cons. So in my career at Dell, about four years in, um, I was working largely with external agencies. I was helping run a portion of Dell.com. And so I was working with digital agencies, integrating advertising and merchandising content on the website. And at that point in time, Dell made a decision to try to create an internal agency to run all of Dell.com around the world. And I was given the opportunity to do that job. It was one of the craziest times in my career. There were (laughs) four folks at Dell that had some type of um, digital creative background. They were immediately transferred to me and the um, head of digital at Dell said, Hey, go build an agency. And you know, a year later we had you know, nearly a hundred people and we're, we're running Dell.com around the world. And so you could imagine how crazy wow. that time was. But what I learned through that experience and then at Vans, at Amazon, and now at GoDaddy, I've always had the benefit and pleasure of getting to build and work with internal teams External agencies, the pro is you're working on a lot of different clients. So you have a pretty broad purview. And often what you'll learn in one industry will, will, will stretch you in ways you wouldn't expect, right? Who would think that working on a healthcare campaign could give you an insight that could make, you know, your tide campaign for P&G better? But you'll often hear from creatives who work at external shops that that's absolutely the case. And they get a ton of energy from, working on a lot of different types of customer problems at once. You know, the flip side of that is external agencies can take longer to produce work because they just don't know your customer as well. They don't know your company as well. They can be much more expensive. It can be harder to communicate because you know they're, they're not within your four walls, although I would contest in the past 18 months <laughs> what four yeah. walls. We're all in the four walls of our home. For the in-house side, what I've seen is in-house teams can produce on-brand work that's highly customer relevant, much faster and often much at you know, much lower costs. And because we make so much diverse work today in terms of how we produce campaigns, as you think across all the myriad media channels where we work, 
there's still that energy of like, I'm working on so many different things at once. Mm -hmm. I've witnessed one of the big challenges in-house agencies had in the past was attrition. Like someone would come to an in-house team, they'd work on your brand for a year or so, and then they'd get fatigued and want to work on 15 other brands. And I'm seeing that attrition uh, or, you know, current single brand fatigue um, happen less and less these days. And I think it's because the end consumer has such high expectations of content. We're just making loads of varied work. And so that helps keep a creative feeling stretched and ultimately feeling creative. Right. There's so many channels you have to be on and each one like really does have its own creative strategy or adaptation. So it is a much more complex uh, world to be a creative and even for one single brand. As you know, obviously a lot of agencies have shed a lot of jobs over the past year during COVID. Um, as, as people sort of get back into the market, are you seeing a lot of ex-agency people wanting to go to in-house teams? Like, I think that there's this conversation of, uh, talent leaving the industry, but you know, it's not really clear, like, where are they going? What kind of talent do you think in-house teams is, is an attractive proposition? I do. I do think in-house teams, um, are very attractive to creatives and we're seeing more and more interest at more and more senior levels and junior levels, like right out of school, which is great. Um, and there's just been a steady shift to in-house over the past 10 to 15 years that now, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, sadly, to your point, a lot of external agencies have struggled to maintain their clients because a lot of brands pulled back on advertising last year. Mm -hmm. You know, if I were to forecast, you know, what the world looks like two to three years from now, there's still absolutely a place for big, talented and small, talented external agencies. And for many creatives, that's exactly where they want to be because, again, they want the variability. But the the trend, I actually think it's even erroneous to call it a trend because it's been steadily growing for so long. In-house agencies are here to stay. Mm. I mean, big brands know that in order to really connect with your customers and prospective customers, having creative talent, you can tell compelling stories of other customers, stories of your brands, you know, build quick content on the fly that pulls people in is an imperative. And the end consumer's expectations of brands are increasing every day too. So in order to be able to meet, you know, meet those demands, having cr creative leadership in your organization, in my opinion, is an imperative. But again, in the near term, um, there certainly is a lot of creative talent in the world right now um, that is, you know, ultimately trying to find a home. I have many friends who are creatives um, who opted into being freelance for the past several yeah. years. Um, again, they wanted the variability, but they didn't want to be in an agency side and they weren't ready to be in-house yet. Um, but I also have a handful of friends who are, you know, quite senior and creative and joined brands much to their surprise and found that actually the stability of being in, you know, in a brand and at a company instead of at an agency and being able to go really deep on that customer and their opportunities was really motivating to them. 
How disruptive is it when a new CMO comes into that team? Because with the CMO tenure so short, I would imagine there's a lot of change um, in the strategy at these in-house teams. Yeah. Um, the tenure of CMOs definitely creates disruption, not just for creative teams, but for teams in general. Yeah. Because at risk of going long on this question, because I sure could, um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be as concise as possible uh, with the headline of, you know, marketing as a discipline has so many different definitions Right. So you might actually have a new CMO come into a company that is really skilled in performance marketing and analytics, and they're going to focus much more on transactional communication and the, the shape of the team may shift as a result. You know, you may hire a, a marketer who you know, really cares about and knows and understands brand and may over index toward that. And then all of a sudden, like you're your business analytics teams, like, Hey, what about us? Like we're here to help measure and um, help you understand and experiment. And the CMO may be like, bad, I'm not focused on that. Um, now, mind you, my bias is that a good CMO is able to live in both worlds in a creative world and an analytical world. But to get back to your question, when, you know, a new CMO enters an organization there is you know, always going to be some level of change. My belief is that when a CMO enters an organization, that change is gradual unless the business is at a point of like requiring massive disruption to be successful mm. because you're inheriting a team with a lot more experience than you who's been going to market a certain way for a period of time with, you know, hopefully a level of success. Again, if the company's not successful, that's when change ensues pretty quickly. And so in my experience, having been CMO at several companies, when I join an organization, I'm actually slow to make change out of the gate because I want to understand why we do what we do and who we do it for. And so, you know, again, I inherited an in-house team. Has it changed in the two and a half years that I've been here? It has. Um, in terms of you know, new folks joining and, and some new leadership on the team. But the the mission of the organization and how they work hasn't shifted dynamically because they were doing great work before and they're doing great work now. Mm, got it. Um, so what's what are you um, looking forward to for the rest of the year? Any big campaigns we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I am looking forward to getting the word out to more and more consumers that GoDaddy is able to help you sell anything that you want to sell anywhere you want to sell it. Um, again, you know, whether that be putting your product on the marketplace, capturing payments on your online store, setting up your online store. And so knowing that so many entrepreneurs are trying to figure out how to be successful selling their goods digitally we have a lot to offer, and I'm, I'm really excited about telling that story to the world. We announced as well a few months ago that we have a partnership with Naomi Osaka, um, and she is launching you – know, she's an entrepreneur herself and launching a product to the world that we get to launch with her. So I'm also personally really excited about bringing her product to the world and, and having her help tell our story because certainly the world listens to her. Um, and they listen to us as well. And I think the combination of us coming together will be really powerful. 
Awesome. Well, I'm excited to see it. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a great conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in to Campaign Chemistry, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.